So hello and welcome to the Oliver James podcast, bringing you conversations with industry leaders, everything you need to know about building connections and how to enhance and elevate your career. So today we welcome back uh, DWS Diversity and Inclusion Leader, Sarah Charlesworth, um, Oliver James's Inclusion and Engagement Partner, Razan Abdelgadir, and Astral's Director, Anna Davies, for our final episode in our Oliver James and DWF podcast series. So welcome back all. Thank you again for joining us today. Um, so in our previous episodes, we've discussed the foundations of getting your business's DE&I journey started, some of the challenges and the ways in which businesses can improve the attraction and promotion of women. And of course, um, as we have Sarah, the diversity and inclusion leader from DWF, it's only fitting we discuss uh, women in the legal sector. So Sarah, could you provide some insights into how the legal, se- legal sector is currently looking in terms of DNI from your perspective? Yes. So... Um... Women have uh, outnumbered men in law schools for many, many years now. I think it's close to a decade now. And even in our own recruitment process of the recent trainee recruitment round that we did at DWF, 75% of those offered a training contract were women. So we're seeing an overwhelming amount of women coming into the profession, but we've still got a few issues in terms of the women's representation all throughout the legal profession. And we know that um, from the Solicitors Regulation Authority data that's collected regularly that around women make up around half um, of the legal profession but then when we come to partnership it drops uh, further so it's around 30% of partners in in, um, the legal profession are women Uh, and we see a drop particularly in um, the the kind of first 12 years of a woman's um, we see a drop in the first 12 years of women in the profession, largely due down to kind of caring responsibilities. Um, but also there's, there's a number of challenges and, and factors to play here as well. So what, what do you think the key challenges are then in terms of, you know, why, why do we see this big drop off at, at partner level? And um, there must be obviously some, some key challenges that, that you sort of see. Yeah, I think... There's challenges, I think, that face women in the legal sector, bias being one of them, and the fact that a lot of the structures and um, criteria for female progression in in the legal profession has has been created by one homogenous group. The fact that I think society still thinks that the traditional image of a business leader, of a lawyer is male. And there was some research actually by um, the Lawyer Monthly uh, last uh, last week um, around the assumptions made up of of the makeup of the profession. Even in 2021, I think um, the the fact that there's, there's a number of things in play Power being something that's largely still used in law firms uh, where um, our lawyers measure things in minutes and hours um, and women will often underestimate the amount of time um, that is spent on a matter and they will indicate that in, in the hours that they do bill. And I think that's that's particularly an issue when it comes to kind of client expectations as well. Often clients want things in the next two hours and there's it's written into the contract that they want things in the next two hours, which is not exactly conducive necessarily to a flexible working, agile working environment as well. I think historically a lot of law firms have used job roles that, sh- that shelve women more than men. So directors um, or professional support lawyers, for example, you'll see a lot of women in those roles as opposed to partnership roles. And um, 
the other part of it is going on that billable hours piece is that a lot of in-house roles when we look at makeup of the legal profession in-house 60 percent of lawyers in-house are women because you don't have the same demands you don't have the client demands you don't have the billable hour it's slightly more flexible so it's becoming more attractive um to female lawyers to move in-house as as opposed to kind of go and work in a private practice definitely and then i think there's there's, you know, flexible working historically has been an issue in, in law firms, perhaps not so much now, um, given the pandemic, but hopefully, you know, that will change for the better, definitely. Um, and then I think there needs to be, you know, more transparency around how roles are filled and around pay as well. You know, gender pay gap is still a huge issue in the legal sector. So there are just some of the challenges that I think we're facing as a sector. Yeah. And do you think why is progression being slow? Um, you know, we've talked about obviously how the impact of the pandemic is speeding up a lot of things, especially around sort of flexible working, remote working. Why in particular do you think progression has been slow within the legal sector? Analysis of some data and you you could take the entire market apart okay you could uh, dissect it by different types of law firms in-house you know there's so many different avenues you can look at but we looked at just magic circle law firms to begin with so the gender split as a whole mag magic circle law firms was 48 percent female 52 percent male then we did the analysis of associates in magic circle law firms by the way this is for the uk um and the analysis of associates was 53 percent female 47% male, which I thought was quite interesting, because when you look at the analysis of partners in the same magic circle law firms, the gender split shifts significantly, 25% female, 75% male. So what we're looking at is, you know, Sarah mentioned, what, what was the stat, Sarah, with um, students, female students? Well, this is it. This is at DWF. So, um, the well the stat is around more um women are um what was it out women are outnumbering men in terms of graduates from law school and then yep. within our own recruitment practice um for graduate recruitment so of the training contracts offered last year at DWF 75% were to women okay and then you've got associates and magic circle law firms heavier weighted for females yeah. um, and obviously we can we can you know after this episode if any specific firms want analysis of you know other areas we can do that but it's the point that you know we're female heavy at the junior end of the market and going into associate level but it's that difference between um, going from associate to partner where that entire um, gender um, that gender split changes and you know we could break that down to is that based on the track to partner in each firm how, how you know how what is the track how are individuals supported is it work-life balance is it looking at you know when you are an associate going to partner what stage of your life are you at well what are those external factors that impact that career trajectory and that ability to progress internally and, and that's kind of the real conversation piece and, and where for me I think the impact of the gender split happens I don't think there's there's one answer I mean it's it's really easy for you to turn around and go well it's because 
women have children and yeah. you know they go off on maternity leave and yes that is one one factor because when they come back they have to rebuild their client base you know their their expectation is that they have to hit their hours the same as what they were doing before but they just took out um, you know a chunk of time in their in their working life and they have to rebuild their practice essentially I think it's easy to blame it on that but I think there's a multitude of, of things that that happen in in every workplace not just not just the legal sector about access to opportunities who is getting put in front of those clients who is getting that kind of opportunity from the moment they qualify into being a lawyer and 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 ultimately often those decisions are being made by a partnership structure that is overwhelmingly male is underrepresented of, of females and I think we need that you know there's there's a multitude of reasons why you know progression has been has been slow and and it's hard to identify just just one thing I think the pay gap will have a big impact on that as well because um I, I've spoken to so many people in the market and it is a it is a big discussion point um I think someone was telling me we'll have to get um the official article for it so we can share it but um, somebody in the market was telling me at a senior level that the um, the pay gap for women, even within magic circle firms, I mean, the, the stats are outrageous. I don't know if you have any, Sarah. Not not to hand. Sorry. I, think, I think there was one that was, um, was it Clifford Chance's gender pay gap report. Um, I think it was from 2020. And um, that was that on a mean basis, women were paid on average 65%. 65.7% less than men in 2019. But taking the firm's partners out of the equation, the firm's report highlighted that on a mean basis, women were paid on average 20% less than men. So there was a 1.8% improvement, but that is a significant difference in terms of the level that you're working at, the hours, the billable hours that Sarah was talking about that you've been asked to work. And I suppose if you look at it from that perspective, if you are in an environment where you want to become partner and you know the sacrifices that you've got to make from a family standpoint but maybe the financial compensation makes it a bit more of a motivation to do it then that might be a factor because a woman might be looking at it and thinking well it's not worth me doing it you know if I'm only going to be paid x amount and I've got to sacrifice all of this and all the time with my family and have to go back to work straight away and rebuild a desk like Sarah said why would you do that when you could potentially look at an in-house option that will pay you probably similar because you do naturally take a pay gap when you move from private practice to in-house but you get the work-life benefits and all the other um all the other benefits that go with it so actually if, even if we looked at the pay gap and made improvements there would that would we then see an increase on um women in partnership roles because maybe it would make a bit of a difference and i don't know it's a discussion point isn't it in-house um that there, there there's a lot of interest both men and women from private practice to make that move in-house um i think sarah you um discussed the stat earlier it's 60 percent female um and, and that kind of makes sense based on the the discussions that I have in the market. But I think one one thing that we need to discuss is the work life balance factor is is normally kind of the major motivator to make a move in house. And then obviously you have certain projects you can work on, more business exposure, that sort of thing that that comes into it from a motivation standpoint. But men are having similar motivations and similar discussions with me about that move. Um, and there are some senior males that I work with in the market who 
like women are unwilling to sacrifice family time for long hours regardless of the amount of money they can make and I think the difference is the choice you know do you have the choice to make that decision do you have the choice to um, move in house and maybe take a pay cut in comparison to what you're earning um, in private practice is it the choice of the type of role you can take and I think that impacts both men and women for all genders and like what we were discussing in the previous episode around generational expectations I think we need as a sector to be creating more fluid career pathways for our people um, and for those to be particularly for areas where progression is unclear and where there is perhaps a really big jump from senior associate senior lawyer to to partner what is what is that progression and you know I spoke about the use of certain roles being used to shelve women directors professional support lawyers but if there was an actual clear progression route for that Mm. into partnership or into into another pathway I think that would be a, a, a solution for for progression that with the, for the issues around progression that we're currently facing. I think that's a really good point and I think that something that's come out of just this discussion now is challenging whatever business you well within private practice challenging when was that partner stru- partnership structure last reviewed that is such a key point because you know some of these firms date back you know a very long time and these structures could have been in place for 50 plus years um the world's a completely different place I think that's something that that is a good starting point actually yeah some law firms were created in the 1800s (laughs) (laughs) it comes back to that it comes back to the uh the evolving piece isn't it evolving with uh the times as such making sure that your business is aligned with society and the way society is evolving um, Anna from your perspective then we've obviously talked about some of the things that um, that private practices can do that for in-house firms can do um, what can Astral or what in what way does Astral support businesses in in terms of you know attracting and supporting women within the legal sector or making the sector more diverse and equal Gosh, I think that there are so many areas that we can provide support. I mean, a lot of the time it's even just having a quick conversation and understanding what the challenges are. Um, We invest as a business in a lot of um, uh, in in terms of a platform and ability to provide um, an outlook on what the what, what the market looks like from a gender standpoint and um, what the gender splits are you know based on level based on type of organization the practice area I mean we can go to an incredibly granular level and provide that um, that data and that analysis to to firstly educate and also talk about what others are doing in the market um, a lot of conversations we have around idea sharing discussing the market commercial intel also discussing kind of the motivations and and reasons for individuals making those moves and and if they have left private practice and gone in-house what what could have happened if the firm in within private practice was able to offer a different route or um, a solution to I suppose those frustrations in the first place so it's not just about individuals moving from organization to organization it's about organizations understanding why those moves are made and what what information can they take then to the partners within the business to their heads of HR whoever it is that we're talking to to actually kind of you know I suppose open the eyes of individuals that there is a problem um 
I mean, at Astral specifically, we can provide advice and support around where we can help support the specific DNI journey that individual companies are on and helping achieve the milestones that you've created. So we partner with firms, both private practice firms and in-house clients to support getting partner or executive level buy-in essentially as an extension of a HR function. So we can uh, ensure that search processes are fully diverse and inclusive, whether that be gender shortlist, blind CVs, advising on diverse interview panels. Um, I think the key point that we have a lot of traction with is supporting businesses get the leadership buy-in because we don't just work with HR, we also partner with partners um, and the leadership teams. It, it's just education really. Um, educating clients I think you know contact us contact me directly if you want to understand what the diversity of the market looks like what it looks like in specific practice areas specific levels specific firms and more importantly if you just want to keep an ear on the market as to what those frustrations are from individuals um, obviously completely confidential but it's about collecting that universal frustration and pain point and how together as a community we can put solutions in place to help you have more female partners within a business or create different progression channels like Sarah mentioned um, or even me turning around and saying hey when was the last time you actually looked at that partnership structure when was the last time it was reviewed that's the starting point it's just general advice isn't it really. Sarah, Sarah in terms of you obviously you work within the legal sector and um, obviously your role is diversity and inclusion what are some of the things that DWF are doing poor women within the legal sector? Oh quite a lot <laughs> which is good um so in terms of what we're in terms of what we're doing we've always been very um very good on our approach to flexible working and, and we've been a top 10 employer for working families now for a couple of years now making sure that we have flexible working as the rule and, and not the exception and I think obviously this has changed a lot with the pandemic a lot of businesses are now um really embracing flexible working which is brilliant we um we also use uh, the mindful business charter which allows teams to have an open conversation about what are their non-negotiables what are the things that they safeguard in their time every week it could be you know every friday at 12 o'clock they you know do a yoga class or every day they finish at 5 p.m because they want to have dinner with their family and that you know it just starts that open conversation with our with our people um, and making sure that teams are starting to communicate more about their work-life balance essentially and then also going on using the mindful business charter to talk to clients about expectations and setting realistic expectations often and um, you'll hear a lot of law firms talk about the five o'clock drop where clients will send in a request and say I need this by 5 p.m on Friday I need, or they send it in at send it in at 5 p.m on a Friday and want it for Monday at 9 a.m and it's about actually having a conversation with a client and saying actually when do you when do you need this by what's a reasonable time or or making sure that the client knows well in order to do that there's going to be x amount of lawyers working over the weekend are you okay with that so bringing those kind of initiatives and charters to our business to ensure that our people feel confident and comfortable to have those conversations both men and women have those conversations about work-life balance and then there's there's a number of other things that we do as a business to ensure that I think that 
women can progress and, and feel supported in in our in our business we do have um succession planning happening in our business we recently reviewed our client teams to make sure that we had female representation on every single client team um we speak to women in our business have roundtables talk to them about what progression would look like for them what best practice we should be implementing we, you know, one of the roundtables outputs was a huge thing around confidence. And I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. So we held, we hold regular confidence conferences aimed at advancing women's progression in the business, aimed at providing a forum for our women to talk about, uh, talk about progression. Um, and we also have executive board sponsors for gender, men, um, a male partner and a female partner also leading that agenda together to know that kind of our gender strand is is led by men and women and all genders in our in our business and I think that's really important so that it's not just becomes an issue for women to to resolve and solve that actually men play a part in this in this too um so those are the kind of a few things that we've we've done as part of our of our work pay gap and helping support women's progression um, and ultimately creating a more equal workplace. Amazing and we you know we started this podcast series with our very first episode where we talked about you know what diversity and inclusion is and we've touched upon some of the challenges and we're just obviously wrapping up and this is obviously the last um, episode of of our series and if there was one thing that you guys would give um, our listeners in terms of how they can make their business a more inclusive place what would that one piece of advice be? Anna if I come to you. The challenge in practice law firms from my perspective from the roundtables we've done you know with Astral um, and clients and what the challenges are and from everything we've discussed today is how how do we get more female partners and how do we progress females within practice so I think my biggest piece of advice from this is everybody should go away now and think when was that partnership structure last reviewed and if you're in-house when was your you know director route or executive you know route to senior leadership basically within any organization when was that last reviewed because I know our wider parent group Oliver James obviously you know that was reviewed recently I mean it's reviewed yearly obviously but that's reviewed so that there are other tracks outside director and if they were available a few years ago I might have gone down a different route you know so I think it's just so important that everyone is looking at that and if you are thinking it's more than a few years ago I'd advise that you sit down and look in at refreshing at that yeah what about you Sarah I think the one of the best things that DWF has done to and to enhance inclusion has been reverse mentoring or two-way mentoring that has something something that has completely escalated it started with a race and ethnicity focus actually but has broadened to now kind of a dni reverse mentoring and we have seen some real change from our particularly from our senior leaders who have done a u-turn on <laughs> around their perception of dni and really embracing it and really understanding it and i think that wouldn't have happened without that conversation with perhaps a more junior colleague who shared their experience openly and I think that is that you know that is vital to creating a more more inclusive workplace and any business could do it so I think try it and see see what what um what results you get 
Yeah, amazing. And Razan, any final words from you? Um, I think focus on education, educating everybody. So everyone is in, on board. Um, try and engage and include everyone because for this to work, it has to be a, a collective effort. Um, so just look at ways that you can maybe have digestible sessions, bite-sized information that we can share um, so people understand the why and, and obviously then hopefully will help us to take um, positive action. Yeah, brilliant. So thank you. Thank you all three of you, um, obviously, for joining us for this uh, podcast series. It is our final episode of the Oliver James and DWF uh, podcast series. Um, so, yeah, thank you to, to the three of you. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you, obviously, to all our listeners. Um, if you've enjoyed this series or episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you head over to our LinkedIn page, you can stay up to date on all things Oliver James. See you on the next episode.